Hello there, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 7 of the Empowered Agency Podcast. I'm your host, Kate All, and this is the podcast where I share with you wisdom, practical advice, and leadership tips for those wanting to grow and scale their agency. Over the last eight years, I have scaled my Pinterest marketing agency to serve hundreds of clients and a team of over 40. I know what it's like to straddle both product development and the agency side, as well as navigate the needs of an ever-growing team. In this podcast, I like to share my story as well as the stories of my students who have gone through my coaching program. My goal is to help you multiply yourself and grow your agency so that you can reach your goals, both personal and professional. I really, truly believe there's an agency for everybody out there, that they come in all different shapes and sizes and serve all different types of audiences. Yours can be unique and successful just like you. In this season, season three of the podcast, we're diving into the stuff that I feel like nobody talks about. Burnout, systems and processes, education, keeping yourself in the game and how you keep learning more. It's these conversations that usually happen in the margins at events while we're having lunch or something like that. I want to bring those to the forefront and help you have these aha moments that can help you grow and get better at running your agency. Last week, I shared about burnout and I received so many great emails after that episode. So thank you to those who listened and shared your story with me. Burnout is real. It is so tough. You have a lot of feelings of shame. You feel like, why couldn't you do it? And I just know that there's more of us who have struggled with it. And I want to see agency owners not hit this point of burnout so often, but maybe this regular cadence of rest so that we can avoid that burnout for the long haul. So if you haven't listened to that, it's season six of episode three. It's the one right before this. Go ahead and listen to that. And of course, email me. My email is hello at kateall.com. All right. In this episode, we're going to talk about onboarding. I (laughs) have such a funny history and development of my own onboarding thing, right? Like how to onboard clients. So I want to talk about that today. We're going to talk about my history with it. We're going to talk about what I believe onboarding communicates, some really good resources that have helped me, and some things that you can do to really evaluate your onboarding system on a regular basis. So number one, one of the books that I read was um, Never Lose a Customer Again. Excellent, excellent book. Once you read this book, I guarantee you will never look at onboarding, whether it's a service-based business or your dental office, you'll never look at it the same. So when we talk about onboarding, what we mean is bringing people into our ecosystem when we're going to work with them. It is how you demonstrate to your client or your customer that you're going to lead them through the process. You're going to help them set up whatever it is you're doing for them for success. But during onboarding, your client is going to be asking one thing. Was this a good investment? Like buyer's remorse is legit. Like you don't let your client question their decision to hire you because your onboarding system is confusing, right? So think about yourself in lots of different onboarding situations. I And again, once you read the book, you will look at onboarding differently. I look at onboarding with our... A dentist's office and how they walk us through it. 
And I look at onboarding even when I decide to hire maybe somebody new to do my hair. I look at onboarding now when I hire other service providers. How are they walking me through it? Because I will tell you, in fact, back in my episode where I talked about the $7,000 lesson, there is a connection that has to be made from discovery call to their yes to onboarding them. And all of those three have to have such great synergy that your client does not even for a moment question their decision to hire you. Because for us in that $7,000 lesson, we had an amazing discovery call. We were ready to throw all our money at them. And then it broke down in the onboarding process. And it broke down in like week one, week two, week three, where we said, I don't know if this was a good decision. And for us, as you'll hear in that episode, we really turned it around and said, okay, how do we take away our learning? What do we learn from this? What do we learn about our onboarding? What do we learn about how we can get better? And so pay attention now to how you are brought into somebody's ecosystem after you pay them for a service. So when I started eight years ago, I knew one thing that communication was important to me. I knew that I needed to be really upfront and clear about how I was telling clients what was next, right? So I grew my company from the ground up with little to no knowledge in how to run an agency or even a service-based business. I didn't take a course. Nobody taught me. I have a degree in political science. So I joke, I know how to BS, right? So I came up with these systems through a lot of trial and error. And if I didn't take the feedback I was getting from my clients or even look at the experiences of what I was having with other service providers, I was not going to have a good process, right? So there's two experiences that come to mind for me. One is I hired somebody in the beginning to do work for me. And there was zero communication. I didn't know what somebody was doing. I don't know when they were doing it. I didn't know what their goals were. They never really asked me about what my goals were. We just were not in alignment. And I knew at that point, if I was going to have people hire me, communication was going to be number one. And it's still number one in our business. It's our core value. Like you communicate, you com- you over communicate so that nobody is in the dark, right? So That was my first experience with onboarding for me going through somebody else's service. The second was a client had hired us and she was super confused after I emailed her about next steps and how to pay the invoice. And she sent me this really long, scathing email. And I sat there looking at the computer and this was probably like... I want to say three years into my business, I was still doing all of the onboarding, still walking people through the system. And I was looking at her scathing email. And of course, as you have all probably been on the receiving end of that, you sit there in front of the computer and you you go through these. It's like you cycle through anger, defensiveness, frustration, shame, confusion, like There's so many things that happen all at once. And you say, was it me? Was it her? How are we not on the same page? And I'm a big believer that if people are not on the same page, it's because one or both of you is missing information. 
There is something that does not make sense. This is a a sidestep of an example, but it's kind of like, you know, on the news when we see these big things happen. And I often think about it with court cases. Like we on the outside looking in think there is, I don't understand why the jury would decide this and blah, 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 blah. But the jury had all the information, right? We didn't have the information. And so if you take that same analogy and you apply it to a confusing business transaction, it usually means somebody's missing a piece of information and that makes them confused and therefore it makes me confused. And so I take that idea, that concept, and I overlay it into most things. I use it in my team. I use it in my personal life. Like usually somebody's not pissed off for no, I'm well, there's people are pissed off for no reason, right? But usually when you're doing a transactional deal, it's because somebody's missing something. And so I was saying, man, how did this get confusing so fast? How did she get so upset? I had onboarded at least 50 clients or more at this point, right? And she was asking me literally every question under the sun about our onboarding and our services and what she could expect. Like it was, it was over the top, but it was good. I'm glad she sent it. And then she said this, she said, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do next. And if this is how onboarding is, I can't imagine how your services will be. I no longer want to work with you. And I was like, what? I mean, I was defensive. I had worked so hard on this system. How could she literally not understand my process? I did not email her that, by the way. You know what I do first is I just email back and say, thank you so much. Give me about 24 hours and I will respond with a more detailed email. That was it. So... After fuming for a few hours, I reminded myself that this was a learning opportunity and a time to fail forward, which is a phrase in our business that we use. We fail forward from every single thing that goes wrong, right? We take learning from it. So I sent the whole process to a friend who was familiar with my business, but was very far enough away to be objective and really give honest feedback. So I said, I need you to go through the whole onboarding process. I need you to read the client emails. I want, give me the feedback. So she did all of that. And she said, I can actually see what she's saying. And I was like, what? Like, you're my best friend. Like, you're supposed to tell me this is amazing, right? I really thought this whole thing would come out in my favor. Like, she was supposed to side with me, not this client. But she said, yeah, I can see I can see why she said what she said. And she gave me some of the most important feedback that day, which was make your onboarding so clear by over-communicating each step even if they don't need it. That leaves little room for questions or confusion. And she told me where she was confused and how I could correct the confusion. Now, I want to clarify something here. That doesn't mean your emails need to be 1,000 words long. That is, ex- that is the wrong thing. Don't take that away from this. I think for busy business owners, bullet points are great. I love bullet points. In fact, I would like a t-shirt that says, I heart bullet points because I, I really do. I need you to distill it down into ac- exactly what I need to do. So for me, I needed to add more 
leadership through the process. I needed to add more bullet points so I could correct the confusion. Also, we can't assume, and I think this is also what my friend was telling me, we can't assume that everybody understands what's in your brain. And I have this, I know this is one of my downfalls, is when I explain things sometimes, I'm so forward thinking that I go to the end and I miss some details. And the people who are present thinking are like, I don't really understand what's going on. I, I can't see it. And I think, why can't you see it? It's, it's here. It's right out here. Can you not see that? And they're like, no, I can't. So playing to that denominator, the present thinking denominator, or the people who maybe don't understand exactly how it works, makes it so that it works for everybody. I didn't save that client relationship. I didn't, I didn't go back after that 24 hours and try to sell her into it. What I did was I emailed her back and instead of defending myself, I apologized. And I thanked her for pointing out where I had missed the details. I said, I am so sorry. You are correct. There are some things that we're missing in this and I'm going to work on them. And thank you. And, you know, truthfully, I think her response to me in her kind of scathing email said a lot about what the future relationship would look like. Right. And I think you can take cues away from that as well. Like if you do get a scathing email, decide at that point to whether or not you want to rectify the relationship, the working relationship to make it work, because there's two things. This is kind of this turning into like a secondary lesson. But there are two things that you can look for when a client emails you feedback. One, there's really, truly the person who wants to give honest, clear, helpful feedback. And then there are people who are accusatory and sometimes mean and attacking of your character because they confuse the two. They go straight for criticism. They don't go for feedback. So the client that emails you with stark criticism that's actually really hurtful is not somebody that you want to work with. The person that is kind in giving feedback, that is a person you want to work with because that shows that they're honest and they're helpful and they're kind. So in this case, she went more on the scathing side, but I still thanked her for pointing out where I'd missed the details, but I no longer wanted to work with her. That was a side note. Okay. So back to onboarding. So I'm no longer part of the onboarding process, but we do ask ourselves each year, how do we get better and better and better? In fact, our team leads within our company went through an overhaul altogether, and they completely overhauled a lot of what would be needed in the onboarding process and how it would help serve their account specialists. And that's after eight and a half years. We're still refining it. And we whether it's adding a few simple words, taking out words, adding extra bullet points or taking away bullet points. We want to add those extra details that really do make our clients feel amazing. We really did take that away from the first 100 days. And if you want to, I can do, I have actually a full write-up on that. I would love to hear from you if you'd like me to do kind of a breakdown of that book, kind of a little bit of a book club review, if you will. Since this is a new podcast, we can really do whatever we want, right? That one was a good one. So if you're interested in that, email me hello at kateall.com. Onboarding is key. 
if that's the only thing you take away from this episode, it is it is a time for your client to hand over a check, but it's also a time for them to develop trust in you and for you to show them how you're going to lead them, how you're going to wow them, how your services are a step above the rest, that they're clear, they provide leadership and comfort that they made the right decision. I also want to add this distinction. A lot of times there are those of us who work in agencies and we we love we love processes. We love a good SOP. Man, it just standard operating procedure makes our hearts sing, right? And one of the things I want to say is there is something that can happen to those people where they get in this constant refinement of the processy. Is that how you say it? Processes? Where they refine it too much. Set a checkpoint once a year, evaluate your onboarding system, make the changes and move forward. If you're constantly in your ClickUp or your Asana or your Trello boards and you're moving things around and you're doing all these things, but no clients have said that they needed something different from you or you haven't asked for feedback from somebody else, you're hiding behind that work. You're doing busy work because you're avoiding doing something else. I've done it before. I know that I could tweak and refine a bunch of systems all day long because I'm really truly avoiding doing a big project that maybe I'm a little bit scared of. So uh, that's why I say with onboarding, you only refine it at two points. One, when you get client feedback and you know you need to refine it. And number two, once a year as a checkpoint. That's really it. So I'd love from, to hear from you. Like, What things have you done in your onboarding system to wow people? I'll add this last tip. We send a handwritten note in our onboarding. We get their address and we send them a handwritten note. We don't give them a big gift or anything like that. We've toyed toyed with that over, excuse me, over the years, but we just send them a note. We get these cute ones from Target and we just say, we're really excited to work work with you. Lots of people don't send handwritten notes anymore. And I always think everybody loves to get something in the mail. So that's what we do as our little added extra special thing. Alrighty, that's it for season three, episode seven. We are going to continue into episode 10, take a little bit of a break, and then dive into episode or season four. So if there's any topics you want me to cover in season four, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you since we're kind of um, going through this as a new podcast, learning what it is our listeners are interested in. We want it to be something that's super beneficial for your time, that when you spend the 20 to 25 minutes a day listening to a podcast, that it's really valuable for you. All righty. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. We're at 2,500 downloads, which is amazing. Share with friends, share with more people who are agency owners, service providers. I would love to help lead them and teach them how they can better be better agency owners. All righty. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.